What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and we continue today with part two of our Extraordinary Individuals in Music series, and we're moving forward with Jordan Randall Smith. Jordan is an award-winning conductor and founder and director of Symphony No. 1, which released its new album, Emergence, last spring to rave reviews. I highly recommend you check it out. Jordan was formerly an artistic director with the Dallas Festival of Modern Music and was an assistant conductor and chorus master for the world-renowned Peabody Opera Theater. Welcome, Jordan. How are you today? Doing great, John. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to share your background and your story with our listeners. So, Jordan, I only touched a little bit on the intro. I was wondering if you could tell us a little more about yourself and share a little of your career journey with our listeners. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I'm originally from Dallas. Uh, I happen to be the son of two musicians myself, although um, sort of stubborn person that I was, I kind of had to eventually come to music on my own terms just a bit later in my my childhood. Um, but uh, I really uh, attribute a lot of it of my interest in music to coming from um, really the superior quality of um, the Texas music education system. I, I really can't say enough good things about um, kind of the environment for a, a teenager, you know, when other kids are dealing with other kinds of problems and, and things that you can be in such a high quality environment and surrounded by so many other students, just regular high school teenagers that are really enthusiastic about music. And so that really was what set me on the kind of uh, music course overall. And then as far as conducting and as far as um, my interest in the orchestra and all of these things, that kind of came a little bit later in college and kind of realized that was the direction I wanted to be going in, which kind of takes me up through uh, symphony number one is actually my second time to start a nonprofit and to start a, uh, a music ensemble. The first one was the Dallas Festival of Modern Music uh, in obviously in Dallas. And uh, we had it was a kind of a presenter performer uh, combination. Uh, and and my, my best friend and close colleague, uh, Ryan Ross, and I founded that group, uh, presented a number of concerts there. Uh, I moved to Baltimore in 2012 uh, to go on and do some uh, advanced conducting studies at the Peabody Conservatory, which is part of Johns Hopkins. Yes, and fantastic. Yes, and and that and that that's kind of where I met the the, the team that uh, that later became what's now Symphony Number no. One. That's fantastic, uh, Jordan. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Symphony Number no. One? How this started? You know, what was the genesis of that idea? Yeah, well, Peabody is an excellent, uh, you know, we often hear the term incubator used to talk about um, startup companies of different kinds. Mostly it's used in the for-profit sector, but I think it's a perfect word to describe the environment of a place like Peabody where you're able to get together these fantastic faculty um, and and just amazing young students. And uh, I'm really not sure what I am. I'm somewhere in in between there as a a graduate student, but uh, kind of in the mix there. And um, and uh, I was able to work with a couple of folks, uh, Sean Myers and Nicholas Bentz were two of the very early people um, that we, we kind of had this idea about um, new music. Uh, Nick, for instance, is a uh, violinist, but he's also a composer. So he kind of uh, focuses a lot of, on performance, but also on uh, composition. And so we, we really saw uh, an opening to kind of create something a little new and a little different and uh, really fill a certain area of the community's need for a certain kind of music. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the need that you identified in the community? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, as a, if you're a composer, 
there are plenty of opportunities to get a short piece of music performed by maybe a solo instrument or a few a few instruments um, put together. But it gets kind of difficult to get a larger canvas. We always talk about this big canvas that we want to give the composer to be able to paint on. So this uh, opportunity to write a piece that could be 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, we, we, th we think of these great works like Beethoven symphonies that could be up to an hour or longer at these masterpieces, well, we have to give younger composers an opportunity to experiment on this size canvas. They have to have that opportunity to think in those on that level of a of a larger scope, and that's really the on the composer side the need that we we felt that we were able to fill. On the other side, uh, there's a there's a big open symphony number no. one shaped hole out there for your general audience for people that are curious about life, and we're not talking about necessarily your typical classical music. Uh, fans, people that are into Brahms and Mozart and those things, those people can come along too. But we're also talking about people that are interested in kind of experimental, um, you know, it could be R&B, it could be rock and roll. You know, we we, mm. we tend to have a lot of affinity with groups like uh, people that like Radiohead and those kinds of things. And uh, that, that's the kind of people that we really want to bring into the mix is no, that, curious types. That's fantastic. I love that you have been able to take the concept of the incubator, which so many of us just think of when we think of incubators, we do think of the for-profit startups, but you've been able to apply it not only to your love of music, but in the nonprofit world. So how has that journey been for you, Jordan, you know, just being part of the creation of Symphony Number no. 1 and just collecting like-minded people, people who have that, you know, I would say you have an entrepreneurial mind if you want to start something like this. And how has that been for you? Well, that's a great question. Uh, Peabody has a very unique degree of emphasis on, on musical entrepreneurship. Uh, it goes into the uh, Music Entrepreneurship and Career Center that they have uh, there, led by Jerry Clickstein. And even uh, Dean Fred Bronstein, who came in a couple of years ago, has really moved into um, what we tend to think of as uh, artist entrepreneurs. And this type of culture that's that's come into Peabody has equally manifested itself, if not more so, I would say even uh, perhaps in the body of uh, musicians that we've uh, pulled, pulled together for Symphony Number no. 1. Now, about half of the group is uh, has some kind of degree of tie, faculty, student, Grad, grad student, any kind of any kind of uh, connection to Peabody, and the other half has been through. We've held auditions and brought in all kinds of other folks um, from the larger Washington and Baltimore community uh, into the team. But but to get back to that point of being an artist entrepreneur, that sort of hyphenated identity, uh, where it really it, you know it is it is artist first, but it is entrepreneur also and mandatory. Yeah. No, I love that. I love the fact that you've been able to combine the two. I mean, because you've spent your entire career building up the artistry. And now that you've been able to branch out and through an organization like Peabody, which is world renowned, to be able to connect with the right people to get that entrepreneurial spirit so you can create something like Symphony Number no. 1. Absolutely. And, and as a result, you know, we now have this team of about 15 musicians or so. Uh, in kind of our core orchestra of folks that are playing on all the concerts, that are organizing the concerts, that are putting together other types of outreach projects. We're looking at, for instance, um, kind of teaming up with, uh, we have several different partnerships in the works for next year, including um, one has uh, kind of been publicized recently called Innovation Village. It's a mm. business development sector that's um, being developed in parts of West Baltimore, which are some of the hardest hit areas from uh, the riots that happened sure. last April. And we actually gave our very first concert in May just 
just days after the riots. And uh, so we feel very deeply connected with sort of the uh, the unrest and all of the um, kind of social issues that go into that. And so we we feel that um, we want our music to serve a greater social good beyond simply that the composer aspect that I've described is extremely important, but that it needs to carry off and make a larger impact. And that's where, you know, that's an example of where we're we're trying to head with that. That's absolutely fantastic. Well, Jordan, as someone who does so much, how do you get inspired each morning to conquer the day? Uh, that's a great question. Well, I'd say that it, in a way, it, it's it's kind of cheating when you choose music as a profession because uh, you know most people use music to get inspired for sure. whatever else they're doing that day. You know, and when your whole day is filled with it, then that's a, that's a good start um, to know what you're going to be focused on. Uh, you know, certainly uh, caffeine might might just play a role in, <laughs> in getting getting the day rolling. <laughs> well, do you have any particular routines that help get the creative juices flowing as a conductor? Uh, I'm a very big walker. I, I really enjoy walking. I only discovered this about myself in the last few years. Um, city living has really um, made it a necessity, but I've come to really love it, and it really clears my head. And um, I'm not a huge biography reader, but I did devour the uh, the big Walter Isaacson um, bio on um, Steve Jobs yeah, a few years back. Yeah, a fantastic one. Yeah, I read it, that. It uh, is. I read that about a, two years ago, and I really enjoyed that. I couldn't put it down, so... Yeah, same here. And it's funny because I'm really not a biography reader in the slightest, but I, I felt differently about that one. But he talks a lot. Yeah, it, kinda, it, read, it read more like a novel, didn't it, than it did a biography. Yeah, it really did. It really did. But he talked a lot about um, kind of the walks that he would go and he would take his, his people on walks and, and such. And um, it, I, I don't know if that's what kind of first kicked it off for me, but that, that really helps me clear my, clear my head and, and kind of get the ideas flowing. Yeah, I love that because, Jordan, it is a common theme that I've seen in so many of the guests that I've interviewed in the entrepreneurial world, in the professional world, and to hear it from you as well. It's great that someone so creative, you get inspired by you know something as simple as taking a walk in the morning. And I really think it is important to start with that physical activity and get the juices flowing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you hit it on the head with the, the physical activity. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And Jordan, this leads perfectly into my next question. So as you know, part of the career journey is about facing uncertainty, sometimes setbacks or even failures. So I was wondering in your own journey, can you share a time where maybe you faced a setback or failure, especially as a, as a social entrepreneur? And talk about a lesson that you learned about when it's the right time to pivot or shift course. Oh, that's a fantastic question. And I like that you use the what I call the F word uh, failure, because mm. for some reason, I, I don't know what it is. And it seems to be uh, from conversations I tend to have, it seems to be particularly strongly. There's some kind of American thing that we have with this word failure that it doesn't seem to translate necessarily to the rest of the world. Um, but it's it's we think of it as this very nasty, nasty word. Um, and it really is perhaps the most potent catalyzer of personal and professional change that that there is. And so, yeah, to, to your point, I was, uh, as I mentioned, I, you know, I grew up in Texas, big uh, music education state, very big in uh, football, which I think is what translates into marching band as kind of this musical cheerleader squad, as they like to think of it. Um, but but that that's what gets the music going. And so I was, of course, a part of that. I was a percussionist. And that led to my studies in percussion in college, where I went on with kind of the, the marching band theme to participate in what's called uh, Drum Corps International, which is kind of thought of as a kind of a professional marching band uh, of, of sorts. Uh, but it's very competitive. It's, it's, um, it's got a huge following in certain sectors. 
But at any rate, I had, I had um, auditioned and uh, made it into what's the, called the, uh, the Cadets German Buell Corps. They're actually based in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, not too far from here. But I was flying in um, each month for rehearsals for that um, in 2003. Uh, I came back. You can only do it until you're 21. And so uh, in 2004, I had come back to do what would be called um, your age out year. And I'd come back to, to uh, participate in the Cadets a second year. And typically, you'll you'll be able to recapture and hold on to your spot if you've auditioned successfully the first time. But percussion, you kind of be, become this. You kind of switch instrument. You're able to switch instruments in kind of a way that others can't. And so I had I was interested in switching sections within the cadets. And so I auditioned for a different section. I ended up not making it after mm-hmm. all. And so they at some point they sat me down. They made it a few rounds, but then they eventually had to ask me. They said, you know, go back, you know, go back to your previous section and uh, you'll be fine there and we'll we'll love to have you. Well, it turns out that I sort of in the process of auditioning for that other section, missed the boat back on my home section oh, wow. in the percussion section. So we had, you know, and we had won. We were the world champion percussion section in 2003 uh, for Drum Corps International. And, and so that's what, what I was thought I was coming back into. But they they weren't they weren't ready to ha- have me back after all and so that was just a crushing crushing uh failure and, and at the time it there was no there was no positive catalyzing of change in my life it was just um just very bitter at at, at the moment but sure. fortunately i i don't even know why but i was able to um kind of try to put together alternative plans for my summer that summer and on the recommendation of a mentor i ended up at the uh interlochen center for the arts in michigan mm beautiful place uh but but it was a it's a completely different environment and it was really focused on um uh on the orchestra and on ballet and on uh musical theater and all of these types of things and it became very clear they bring in guests from from all over they bring in uh, gerard schwartz a famous conductor was there the detroit symphony just i could give you a very long list of of world-class acts that come through interlocking in the summer and it became blatantly obvious that I needed to make a bit of a pivot in, in my career plans overall anyway. And it was towards being a conductor and, and wanting to work with orchestras, among other things. And uh, But it never would have happened if had I not failed first. And so that really, you know, once once hindsight became clear, you know, with, with a few years to go look back and see what a radical course correction that was, uh, it, it really helped me appreciate in the future other kinds of failures and things and how potent they are to help steer you in the direction you should be going in. Absolutely. One of the things that you, I I love the phrase that you used, potent catalyst. And it's one of the goals of the show is to, to look and reframe failure, not as the, the ultimate dead end, but as that opportunity to pivot and shift course. And I love this story because Jordan, I mean, something that at the time seemed like the culmination of everything that you were putting your passion into and to have that setback, to have that failure, to have that brick wall. And then if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have been able to transition into what your life purpose is right now and do all the fantastic work that you're doing with Symphony Number no. 1. So really a fantastic story about pivoting and shifting course. The other thing that I think is important for moving forward listeners is that you had a mentor. You had someone who was able to kind of guide you on your trajectory to to really direct you and to give you that that GPS, I call it that that mentoring GPS, so that you could explore something that was completely different that you wouldn't have thought of before. Well, I, I really like that that idea about GPS because it really speaks to the idea of being able to locate yourself in whatever world you're trying to yes. navigate. You know, really being able it, because you 
you you really can't see it on the you know the the common um, analogy is to think of an ant traveling along a you know a, a clothesline or something or, or a power line or something where they really can't perceive you know you know the way you can look at the, the entire scene kind of in three dimensions and they're kind of just moving along in one dimension almost uh, and I and I think that translates here where you um, you 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 know things happen but you really just don't know how to interpret them you know at the level that you're looking at and that's why you know having some mentor who's able to give you that that feedback and that was always a struggle for me i always felt like i'd never wanted to, for some reason i was very uh i found the idea of being a young and impetuous person kind of very anathema i, I wanted to avoid it I, I probably didn't avoid it <laughs> but but i but i always you know was eager to try to figure out how to avoid the common pratfalls of uh of youth um in, in that sort of a way and i think i think mentorship can help you you know you and you know you need to make some mistakes you need to kind of uh, we talked about but but there are other mistakes that you'd probably rather never make. And, you know, a mentor can help with that. Absolutely. I think that that's perfectly put. And I love the analogy of the end because so many people think of success as the linear A to B path. But if you've seen that infographic, it looks more like that squirrely, squiggly line that just goes all over the page. And that's where you're going to find those pivots. And that's where you're going to find those shifts. And you're going to discover different opportunities that you wouldn't have considered if you had just stayed on that A to B path. So I really, really love that story. Thank you very much for sharing that, Jordan. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, we're now going to move into something that I call the Knowledge Burst Session. And this is where our guests share three game-changing resources and tips that our listeners can start using today to move forward. So I'm really excited to ask you this first one. This one may be a little bit hard. As someone who is an artist, as someone who is immersed in the world of music, Jordan, I was wondering if you could pick one and share with our listeners. So a particularly influential movie, book, song, or cultural experience that inspired you to move forward. Absolutely. Um, when I was uh, pursuing my uh, my master's degree, I took a summer in between to uh, travel to Europe. And um, well, first is some background. I'll, I'll tell you that um, as a music student, you're kind of required to ex- explore a range of musical styles and hopefully explore way out, well outside of your comfort zone and kind of get some familiarity with a lot of the things that are out there over the past 500 years or so of music. And uh, that includes uh, modernist music, which, as you can tell, contemporary music is part of a very big part of what I like to do. But at the time, I was not a huge, uh, huge fan at all. And uh, in fact, I remember being exposed to a piece of music. It's called Pierrot Lunaire. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's used as this very strange German technique called Sprechstimme, which is called, kind of uh, translates to speech singing so it's kind of a mixture of speech and, and singing, but to the untrained ear and certainly to my ear as an undergraduate, I didn't appreciate uh, this. It, it kind of sounds almost like ghost speaking, like kind of scary ghost. I mean, <laughs> you, you, and so at the time, I really did not care for this music at all. You listen to a recording and it, I just thought it was um, pretty terrible, honestly. Uh, but then you flash forward to I, I went to travel, traveled to Europe and traveled to Vienna for part of my trip uh, in 2007. And I just so happened to end up at the um, the world kind of culture center for this composer. His name is Arnold Schoenberg. And uh, it's in Vienna where he did a lot of his um, composition in his earlier years uh, before he immigrated to the U.S. And uh, and I was able to see a live performance. It just so happened that they had a live performance of this piece. And I got to go take in the show. And it changed my world. So uh, the, the larger message there is, um, is, is just kind of to explore something outside of your comfort zone. Whenever you can 
get yourself to get in the mood to to get you know almost purposely pick something that you think you won't like you know just to kind of give it a shot and it, and the reason I bring that up is because it it really did uh, change my course and really got me deeply interested in not only just modernism in terms of you know the piece is old now it's it was written in 1911 but it still sounds very fresh uh, but you know all of that music of the last hundred years or so and the last thing I'll say is that um, it it that it didn't go just that far with me. It wasn't just the general principle, but I actually ended up recording it. And it was the first thing I ever um, uh, commercially recorded with uh, my group in Dallas. And I, and that, that recording is still, um, still out there. So um, uh, shameless plug here for my recording yeah, of Pura Lunaire out there. We'll, we'll have that on our website. So George, sure. I think you were the first guest who has ever taken a piece of media to answer this question. One that upon first impression that you didn't like, and to talk about a cultural experience that really reshaped the way you look at it. And then you embraced it later on by recording a version of it your own. So I think that is such a fantastic share for moving forward listeners. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's it's a uh, you know, certain music. I, and I don't think it's just music. I think, it's you know, every kind of cultural experience, cer- certain things really in the same way that we talked about failure. I think certain kinds of cultural experiences can really serve as a catalyst Absolutely. Um, as, as well. So Jordan, share a daily practice or habit for prioritizing and managing your time. Well, I'm a huge fan of uh, David Allen, and I'm sure a lot of your um, your listeners are are familiar with uh, getting things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really influenced me a few years back. Uh, an idea that I've only in the, probably the, about the last year or so have I uh, implemented is his idea about if it if you can get it done in two minutes or less, go ahead and do it right then and there. Yeah. Try to go ahead and get things done right away. And, uh, and that's really helped me kind of, um, kind of keep up, you know, cause there's so many things, the only danger with that policy and you have to kind of find a balance is that, um, you've also got to balance that with, you know, sometimes at peak hours, you can probably receive two minute tasks at a rate of faster than every two <laughs> minutes because <laughs> it can't keep up. Yeah, but, absolutely. uh, so you got to balance that with turning off notifications. And I think that's also helpful is to find some time. That to is such a great unplug practice as well to turn off those notifications especially when you're devoting your time to a task so and and i've got to give you props because right before we started this interview you turned off all of your notifications which as a podcaster i can't tell you how much i appreciate it it just makes (laughs) my job so much easier and and uh, you know i know the listeners appreciate it you know so they can hear you as opposed to hearing the notifications going in the back so that's really i think that's really important Oh, great. Great. Good. And Jordan, can you share with our listeners a favorite app, website, and I'm going to add to this or productivity hack that proved to be a game changer for you? Yes. Uh, well, we're, we're currently experimenting with, uh, in our executive team only, we're experimenting with using, using uh, Asana, which a lot of people will know is a, is a great uh, project management app. But what I would actually like to recommend, uh, I happen to be personally a pretty tech forward and tech friendly kind of person. I'll try, I'll try just about any new hot app that people are all raving about, especially if it's a kind of productivity tool of some kind. Um, what I would probably actually do though is to warn um, folks if they're kind of on the the front end of kind of developing a team for some kind of uh, project or company or, or startup of some kind. Um, if you're tech friendly, and I and I've learned this from 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 failure mm-hmm. <laughs> on this front, uh, do not use your organization as an opportunity to grind your tech-friendly acts. <laughs> do not <laughs> force them to use... If you you got to think very carefully about your workflows. And there, it, it is important to understand um, you know, what kinds of tasks really require a certain kind of new platform 
where the goods of, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few, and, uh, and 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 asking everyone to have the same workflow for something. But there are other times where you really are wasting your effort making people learn some new kind of platform instead of letting them do something that they already know how to do at this point, either intuitively or they've just done it enough. So example, the obvious examples go to things like um, very simple tools like uh, Facebook private groups yes. and, and messaging groups. Everybody knows how to use Facebook. Everyone knows how to use uh, a like to indicate, you know, and what's great about that is that, you know, if you're starting up very early, it's kind of got a poor man's uh, red receipt um, included. So it's kind of like a poor man's outlook kind of kind of going there. Um, so I recommend that. And, uh, and then, and then Google docs, I mean, again, just oh, yeah. simple, huge highly, fan. yeah, well, yeah, just the more, the more ubiquitous and it, and it depends on the team you've got. If you have a team that can afford to, uh, that are, that are, if you, if everyone's like-minded like you, great dive in. But if you're having some resistance, take that as a sign that maybe you need to look at a more ubiquitous platform yes. that folks are going to be naturally comfortable. So they're not wasting your time and theirs learning some newfangled platform instead of just getting the work done. Uh, again, fantastic. Uh, answer to that because really it's it's not always just about the app or the with the website but it's about the culture of the team that's so important and you don't want to you don't want the technology to override the workflow and the personalities of your team members so i think that's a really really important piece of perspective to have when you're looking at productivity apps when you're looking at websites yeah that's very well said Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. Jordan, we have listeners from many parts of the world, all different backgrounds and walks of life, and some of whom are struggling to find their passion or purpose. So what is the one thing that moving forward listeners can start doing today to bring them closer to their career or life's purpose? I think you have to, because I've been there, I've certainly been there, I think you have to, I found great joy in the times that I've forced myself to break out of my routines or my preferences. And I've referenced one already in that, in that, that concert experience. But another would be that uh, this could be as simple as your personality type. I, I tend to, people tell me that I'm not, but I, I tend to, to swear that I'm an introvert myself. Uh, I, I swear by it, but yet, uh, but it, people tell me I'm, I'm pretty outgoing. But, but the, the reality is that when you get me alone and I have a free night off, I don't tend to want to necessarily go out but when i make myself go out and then what ends up happening is that you run into people you meet people and you have interesting conversations and you find connections and that they end up i I can't even describe the number of times that they end up leading right back to something that's very meaningful towards finding some kind of purpose in in what i'm doing at the time and so I, i i can't recommend highly enough and the reverse i'm sure is true is if you're a really strong extrovert that it's probably valuable for you in a way that in a very special way to sit and turn off those notifications, stay in for the night and read a book, you know, and, and, and do something different. So I, you know, I think either way the kind of any chance to break out of your shell um, will inevitably lead you right back to where you need to be. Yeah. I think that's really, really critical. Just getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, break up the routine. And I, I love it. If you're an introvert, push yourself to get out there a little bit and your connections with other people 
will help lead you to discoveries that you may not have considered before. And, you know, I, and I love that you're, you're taking a very balanced view. And those of you who are extroverts, if you're used to, you know, just being out all the time, take some introspective time so that you can really quiet your mind and that may help you kind of reset and refocus. So I think it's really important to do that because we get so caught up in just keeping mm-hmm. up with the day-to-day routines that sometimes it's really difficult to, to think outside of that. And so if you're, if you're stuck, if you're just doing the same thing day in and day out and you feel like I'm at a dead end, change it up a little bit. And I think it starts with doing something as simple as that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jordan, what is next for you? Well, that's a great question. Uh, we're um, just at this point, at the point of airtime, we're uh, just wrapping up our first season, um, our first full season. We offered a debut back last May, but uh, this will wrap up our, our first full season. Congratulations. And we're, well, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been a thrill ride from uh, beginning to end. And we're already hard at work at our um, at our second season. We have a great lineup of um composers already lined up many of them are some of them are even done with their pieces already which is amazing because composers tend to be running on the the very last uh, minute of a deadline but they're they're just very enthusiastic about the project so we're um we're well into it now but um we'll have um we'll have the uh, we we should have all our concerts up on the website and uh it should um it's going to be a great season ahead fantastic jordan how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about your work with symphony number no. one Thanks for asking. Yeah, um, our website is symphonynumberone.org. So that's all spelled out, including uh, the word one, spelled O-N-E there at the end. So symphonynumberone.org. Excellent. And we'll have that posted on our website. Jordan, I really want to thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your journey and your knowledge bursts with our listeners so they can move forward. Thank you so much for having me. I've been happy to do it. Moving forward, listeners, there's so many great takeaways from Jordan's story. Think about the time when he was in drum corps and he tried to transition into a different section and it came to an abrupt end. Jordan saw that as a failure, but it wasn't until later that he realized that there was an opportunity that he was being directed to. The pivot, we've talked about this so many times on this show, the pivot led him to an opportunity that he never considered within his passion. And that's really part of what the pivot is. When you're following your passion, you may think you're going in only one direction. But when you hit that roadblock, look at the opportunities that may be in front of you that you never considered before. And for Jordan, that was becoming a conductor, which later led to the great work that he's doing now with Symphony Number no. 1. A couple of other really interesting knowledge bursts from Jordan. Think about that musical piece that really inspired him. Now, I'm not going to do a great job of pronouncing the name, but you can see it in the show notes. Think about how Jordan didn't really take to it in the beginning, but it was later a cultural experience that allowed him to appreciate the depth and beauty of it. And then later on, he was inspired to do his own interpretation of it. I mean, how cool is that? Think about the media, the books, the plays, the songs, the movies in your life that have inspired you. Think about how you internalize them and then make them a part of you. And by moving forward, you're doing your own interpretation of them. That's really the point of a knowledge burst. These are tools that are helping you move forward. And I hope you'll take the ones that Jordan has shared with you today, and there's so many of them, and move forward in your life, in your career, in your business. 
And of course, to learn more about Jordan Symphony Number no. 1 and all of our phenomenal guests, check us out at bemovingforward.com. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And join us next week as we conclude our three-part series on extraordinary individuals in music. Until then, have a great week. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.